I'm so happy to finally be able to talk about this. And before you just click off the video or dislike it, please, I encourage you just listen. Just give me a chance to explain why the, the video title is meant to be as insulting as it is. I'm finally excited to be able to explain why you're going to perpetually be poor. And one of the main key reasons here is education, but one of the other things that comes into play is the lack of willingness to find information. And that's meant to be obscure and vague but it'll come back into play and you'll see it when it gets towards the end. And for the most part, I'm going to try to stay out of opinions as much as I can. I'm just going to go off of general interpretation through my living years and the experiences I've grown up around, which is just learning that people don't understand how to make wealth. And wealth, just for sake of argument, is meant to be an all-encompassing term. It, it pertains to money, it pertains to family, community, and success. It, it really is a perpetual term that kind of each person can take to its own meaning. But in this sense, I mean pertaining to money and creating something, aka a future or a better community. But I wanted to ask you one question, which is, are you going to college? Have you gone to college? Have you already been to college? Did you get your degree? What, did you, what is your debt? What is the amount of debt you're left over with? How did you find out that this was what you wanted to do? How did you go to school? How did you graduate? How did you find out where to live after that? How did you find your job to do that? How did you build any type of income after that point? And that's meant to be a convoluted statement, but I didn't ask you any questions that you don't already have the knowledge of, assuming, of course, you followed any of those categories or boxes. I find a system has been put in place by our upbringing in our community. And a lot of this is just the observance of success in that we watch other people and we see what they're doing and we want to mimic that because we've seen success in other, we'll call them almost simply what they are, which is idols. We've idolized our figures who have been successful according to what we would call success. And we want to mimic that. We want to replicate that. We want that to be ours because we find that to be pleasing. And this isn't meant to be some moral argument about what success is. It's just meant to be that we, we tend to be creatures who want to mimic one another because we think that we see success and the life experiences those successful people are living and we want to mimic that. And I'm here to tell you that it's almost fundamentally wrong. In fact, it's kind of a poor education system that you would think that way because, because information is the asset that people trade in to create success and wealth. And now I'm going to talk about the things that I'm personally experienced in, so that way I'm not accidentally misleading anybody. But one of the fundamentals of what makes America quote-unquote great in building success and wealth is the ability to leverage debt. And for you, your job needs to be finding the information to figure out how to do that. I'm going to give you three types of loans and you have to decide how to pay them off. One of them is a student loan, which is at 5% interest rate over 20 years. The next one is a personal loan at 3% interest over three years. And the last one is a credit card at 18% APR. Now, the answer feels quite obvious. It feels kind of silly to ask it, but do you know why? Do you know why you should pay that credit card off first? Well, because you can leverage your debt of $1,000 on a personal loan to possibly make more money. You can leverage your student loan to use that interest rate you're paying off to then write that off on your taxes to get a lower overall interest rate and in general to put you in a lower tax bracket. The debt of the credit card has such a high interest rate that you cannot feasibly recoup that money you might lose. And let me explain real quick the personal loan. The personal loan is still debt. It's $1,000 at 3%. But here's where the trick of debt leverage comes into place. If I said to you, 
you can actually invest this $1,000 in an index fund, and you can actually make 6% guaranteed, we'll say in this example, for 6%, which would you benefit more from doing? Paying off your $1,000 at 3% or trying to earn 6% from your $1,000? Well, obviously, your better bet is to then make 6% on $1,000, which would be $60. Because month over month, you're going to be paying $30 of interest towards the $1,000 debt that you have. But if you were to take that $1,000 and add it into an index fund that paid you 6%, you'd be making $60. So then if you're earning $30 of debt every month, well, you're also earning $60 from an index fund here in this example. And you can subsequently split $30 from that $60 to then take that extra $30 you're making and invest it in more stuff. And it's an oversimplification, but that is essentially how debt is leveraged in the United States. Now, I have a question for you. Did you know this? Did you understand this? Did you get it from anyone you ever talked to in your professional life, your school, your your parents, your colleges? I'd argue not many people will tell you this because it's not, in so many words, common knowledge, but it's also just not understood from so many people fundamentally. And now I will throw an asterisk in there. There is risk involved in this, and I'll explain it later. And this is, of course, an oversimplification. Now, why did I bring that whole nonsense example up? Well, it's because when you realize where your leverages can be as an individual, you'll actually find the opportunities open up vastly. Let's find you have $10,000 here, and you can invest this money in any way that you want. What are you going to invest it in? You could invest it in bonds, and stocks, and real estate, and business, and whatever you want to. But I'd argue in this day and age, the problem is is that we don't look at it like that. The amount of people who sit there and actually build up $10,000 worth of assets is so few and far between now that more people do not do this than the people who actually do. And I want to show you, simply put, how you're being screwed over and how you can educate yourself. And using this knowledge, you'll stop being poor. Poor is a mindset. Poor is not just you not having money. Poor is the mindset of, when I do have money, I have to enjoy it while I have it. Poor is the mindset of, oh, it might be gone soon, so I have to figure out what to best utilize it in before it's eventually gone. And I'm coming to argue that poor isn't a bad mindset if you know the education of investing and debt and leverage. Now, I don't have some course to sell you. I'm not one of these YouTube gurus who's going to try to sell you things, but... On the YouTube, I will have a video linked down below from Graham Stephan where he talks about how he purchased his $0 Tesla. And that sounds on the surface like a crazy concept, but when you learn how he breaks down the values of everything that he does, you'll find out, oh no, it does make perfect sense that he is buying a car for $0 because of the leverages he's using towards debt, and subsequently his taxes as well. And... Part of the reason I want to talk about this in general is that I see the Chaz. I see that, and that is depressing. I see so many people who are disenfranchised youths, and I come here to say that you as a young person have the best amount of opportunities. The problem is you're being told what to do, and fundamentally, we don't like being told what to do as humans. And I'm here to tell you that I can just plant a nugget in your head, and I'm hoping that that will be your avenue to go find your own success, your own way to build whatever you call wealth. And another example is, how do you make money? 
Well, you go find a job. You work a job and you get paid money. That's how it works, right? Well, or you start a business, or you trade stocks, or you invest, or you create new assets. But the most people tend to do is they just work a job. Or maybe they'll drive Uber and they come to realize the hardship of being a contract worker. And this is a lot of stuff, and for many people, it's terrifying. But what if I were to tell you just by being a passive person and just living life in a way that you can just put aside a little money week over week and you can create something that you could become a multimillionaire. And now a multimillionaire is useless in my opinion. There's nothing of value from that. But what you create from that could be the greatest amount of opportunity ever. For example, and I'm just going to keep this to me, between myself and my significant other, we own two properties and we rent out another one. But we bought these properties with just little bit of money in our pockets and fix them up with our just knowledge that we've learned through life or, you know, using the internet to just look things up. Well, now we're making money each month. Now, it's not a lot, but it's enough to say, hey, I don't have to go work as an Uber driver if I don't want to because I'm making more money doing this month over month than I would be if I spent 20 hours extra a week working my job and then adding on driving Uber or delivering food or picking up a second job. However, the slight difference here is the amount of risk involved. If somebody gets injured on my property or a problem arises, I have to take on the risk of having to bear the financial or legal cost that comes with those problems. And that's what a lot of young people are afraid to do. And I'm here to tell you that, yes, that's terrifying. It is a constant thought in the back of my mind every day of, is today the day I get sued? But the thing is, is that I have the knowledge and education to know. I have the remedies in effect that if I do get sued or if I do have a problem arise, I can fix it myself or I have the things I need to handle a lawsuit if need be because I took the time to educate myself. So subsequently, the wealth from this example isn't just the money it's giving me for managing and owning these properties. It's the money I'm earning then that frees up my time to do other things. For example, talking in a microphone to you. But now I've leveraged my debt and I've freed up my time. And I'm dealing with this constant risk of, well, if I'm not making my rents from my renters, then I don't have property because I will default on my mortgages. But if I'm leveraging my debt smart, what I will do is I will mitigate that risk. And as I'm collecting more money from rents and working a job or picking up any side hustles or investing in any other assets that I can, what I'll do is I'll mitigate that risk by buying more properties. And now I want to use a rent slash mortgage example, which is let's say I bought a house that's got three bedrooms and I'm able to get the mortgage at $1,000 per month, but I don't want to live there. My goal is to rent that building out for between $1,500 to $1,600. And I feel like that's not too crazy of an example that many people could understand in all parts of the, the states. That's about $500 per room depending on, you know, circumstances. But now fundamentally, I have three people living in this house. My mortgage is $1,000 and each of them is paying me $500. So if I'm making $500 of profit month over month and I lose one roommate or one tenant, as we'll call it, then I'm still paying my mortgage up. I'm just not making a profit. And at the end of the day, a mortgage has a variable loan period, but we'll say for this example, I'm doing a 30-year mortgage. I'm still paying off the house, even though I'm not making a profit from this. 
And I'm hoping you're kind of picking up what I'm trying to explain here. If all systems fail and I lose all of my tenants in this property, I should still be able to pay that mortgage by myself. $1,000 a month is not an impossible thing for many people who have a couple years in working experience. But the second I can rent out this building to three people, I now am essentially without a rent and I have extra money coming in my way. And I'm freeing up more time each month to do things that I want to do, or in this case, invest more. And all it took was knowledge of just going, hey, I can kind of understand how to fix properties. That's my entire thought process. I literally became a homeowner and a landlord because what used to happen with me and my family was my family was poor. We were on food stamps. We were trading what I, my dad likes to call funny money all the time because food stamps wasn't a card at that time. It was the little stamps. In this case, it was like tear-off stamps. So what my father would do is he would buy destroyed trashy houses. He would take me and my brother, whom, by the way, we were young at this time, 10, 12 years old, and he would say, hey, I'm going to go fix the kitchen counter. Come over here and come watch me do that. And slowly but surely, I had come to learn just the essentials of how to work with my hands. And not only that, I learned how to go find the knowledge. Now, this didn't apply to me when I was younger, but much more when I was older, but my father literally had this book. I don't remember what exactly it was called, but it was supposed to be like the Home Depot or the Lowe's book of everything. And it was this handbook that was created by a bunch of like uh, technical practitioners or masters or something like that. People who were like, hey, if you want to fix an electrical outlet, here's how you do it. Here's how you do it properly. Here's how you ground a wire. So if I'm going through and I notice, hey, my light's not turning on today and I change the light bulb and it's not the light bulb. Well, I have a book here that has most likely my answer out of it. I just have to have the ability to go and learn this. And that subsequently is also where you get fucked over. This leads me into going into stocks. Because funnily enough, stocks are also a very good way to make money if you have a lot of money, number one, I want to not even pretend that one, but if you know how to time things. Every major stock person will tell you these two things. Number one is don't try to time the market. You're most likely going to fail. And number two, I am not a financial investor. You shouldn't take my words as, as actual financial advice. More so, I'm just trying to help you out with understanding why. But I see people who kind of have an interest in stocks. And there's two things that tend to happen. And the first one, a little bit more easier to explain, is the lack of education. If I said right now, hey, go invest in stocks, most people don't know how to do that. I still kind of barely know how to do that. But you know, oh, well, if I open up the Robinhood app and I put $100 in there, I can buy a share in blank blank company. Sure, but what else is there to know besides that? Oh, well, what about the type of yield of the stock? What about the rate of dividends they pay out? What are the, what are the taxes you owe? What about capital gain, short-term, long-term? Like, there's all this extra information that comes to just a stock that you, most people don't know about, but you can easily find this information out. And I'm not going to be the one to educate you on that because I don't even know how to do it yet still. I just roughly know. But I do want to share two things that you get screwed over on the most, which is stocks that have no real value. And I'll explain this one in a second. And then also timing of the market. Stocks that have no real value is a weird concept that I'm only going to vaguely explain because it is very hard to explain. I'll give you an example here. I decided to patent a software 
that allows me to record video from my microphone. Stupid, it makes no sense, but still. It's a tool that when you're an employer and you're having your people work from home, when they have their microphone flicked down and they're talking through somebody, it can also record their face to make sure that they're just not like muttering some nonsense or you can do some sort of customer service thing. Well, I patented that software, I now own it. But I have a company here where I don't have any money because I haven't sold my software yet. So now if Jim's beer company approaches you and says, I want to invest a million dollars into your company for 10% of your company, what is your valuation worth? Well, to you, you now have a million dollars, but your valuation is valued at a $10 million. And now this might sound stupid, but this is how a majority of stocks and IPOs work. And subsequently, this is also how you get fucked over in Bitcoin. And this is how you also get fucked over in cryptocurrency. So a major trick that a lot of stock companies use, especially companies that are tending to lose money month over month, is what they try to do is they try to corner a market. They try to inflate their valuation because they're getting investors for hyperinflated numbers. And then what they do is they then IPO. So now you have a company which all it has is a patent software. It has no real value. It hasn't done any business yet but they're getting investors and they're just starting to sell the software to other companies. And they say, well, this company is going to lose money. So what we're going to do is we're going to IPO this. And you seeing that this is a brand new shiny software that could possibly make a lot of money in the future. Sorry, love. Shame. So now when the company goes to IPO, what it's hoping for is that investors will just see the shiny product and they're going to invest a lot of money. The people who put the million dollar investment in the company, as soon as that company goes public, they sell all of their shares immediately. Because when a company IPOs, they tend to go at the highest peak that they'll go for a long while. And the same actually applies for a lot of cryptocurrencies, where what will happen is, is you'll find a couple of prominent figures, influencers, whatever you want to call them. And they'll say, hey, this new token, token coin, it's going to be a huge thing. It's going to have so much value, but it's only worth 0.1 cents right now. Well, guess what? You come to find out what these, what these people do is they invest millions of dollars to create the value of 0.1 cents in this coin. Now with their influence, they're encouraging you to buy the coins. And subsequently, the value of the coin, let's say, goes up to one cent per coin. Well, now that person just sold every share of the coin, and now there's no value left in the coin. Because the only person holding value was the only person creating value in that currency. And these are the type of things you need to know when you're trying to leverage stock and time markets. So with all said and done, I didn't actually teach you anything. I just gave you the tools there to go find the information of what I'm talking about in depth. Because let's say you've worked all your life and you've just saved up money but you've never spent it. Well, how are you gonna go get the biggest return for your money? Let's say you maybe have a little bit of money but you don't really know much in terms of stock trading. You could go into property investments. Or let's just say you're in a lot of debt right now. Well, how can you leverage that debt to then give you the greatest amount of return to pay off that debt faster? And now with obvious exceptions aside, like medical bills and, you know, uh, bankruptcy, debt consolidation loans, like there's a lot of things that can still screw you over regardless. But if you can just save a little bit 
from what you do or take the time to create a product or take the time to actually learn how to fix properties up or maybe just sell your service in, an, in a side business hustle. You then, instead of making money, you buy time to do what you really want to do. And there's a lot of people right now who just think that they need to overthrow the system because that's going to give them the fastest return on their massive amounts of debt or because nobody taught them how to earn any type of wealth or money. And these are the type of observances I see from people who just consume media all day and create idolization. Because when you're seeing people who have created that success or that wealth already, you're instead being distracted and pulled away from taking your own time to educate yourself. Because if you're going to work 40 hours a week and just make it paycheck to paycheck, you won't go far. But what you'll come to find out is, is that instead of being put in a situation where let's say you have a huge amount of medical debt and now you have to work 60, 70 hours a week just to pay off that debt, what you can do is, is you can work an extra job. Let's say you do 50, 60 hours every week. You're doing that on your own choice, and that extra money you're making now, you can then buy time in the future. So when the inevitable lawsuit or medical bill comes up, you have wealth or assets on hand to leverage that to buy time for your future. And I'd love to see people actually take their current Occupy fucking Capitol Hill protest protest, riot, autonomous zone, whatever the fuck it's called now, and realize that America has one better opportunity than anywhere else, which is that anywhere else you go, you sacrifice one of those opportunities in place of something else. Let's say Great Britain, for example. You are not as likely a place to be able to afford property out in Great Britain, unless you're planning on living on some sort of farmland area where there's plenty of land available. Let's say you want to go to a Middle Eastern country and start your business. While there's a lot of money there, you also have a lot of risk because you have to also conform to the laws of those areas. And then on top of that, you're at diplomatic risk with other countries. And then on top of that, you're at embargo risk, which is that if countries don't want to do business with you, they can just sanction off your entire country. In China, you have to subjugate your entire business to the government. In Australia, there may not be as many people available to buy your products. You have all of these better opportunities in America, and the problem we see is that we have a system of idolatry that creates narratives in our heads when you come to realize that we have the most opportunity. We're just not informing people how to pursue that opportunity.